In today's army, one name stands for pride. One name stands for courage. One name stands for honor. One name stands alone. Bilko! Yes, my colonel! We have rules and regulations. Sergeant Ernest G. Bilko. Let's go, campers! Wakey, wakey! I'm talking about a gambler. A conniver. Any one of these men would take a bullet for you. Well, not in the chest. No, no, not in the chest, but certainly. A man who will sell you your own mail. Doesn't the army issue towels? The army! <laughs> Get him a set of towels. The fluffy ones. The introductory price. He's calm under pressure. Now, where did that one go? Under fire. We discovered a number of possible irregularities. Sergeant Milko! Colonel Hall, you look fantastic, sir. Have you lost weight? And courageous <laughs> under attack. Make the bad man stop. From Universal Pictures <laughs> and Imagine Entertainment comes a man whose methods. Let's do the grab the rifle by the bottom thing! Are anything but approved. You woke me up for reveille? Drop and give me 20. Whose orders? All right, one. We're going for one. Are anything but regulation. Are these yours? It is my understanding that you can no longer ask me these questions, sir. And whose training is anything but basic. He wet his bed. Oh, well, once in a while. No, he did it from across the room. Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and Phil Hartman. I'm just so damn proud. Sergeant Bilko. Bilko! Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White, and I have two returning guests to the show, my favorite duo. Oh, wait, I probably shouldn't say that since I have uh, Bryce and Bryce and Chase on my show. Uh, one of my favorite duos... Miguel Sanchez and Eddie Ball. What's up, guys? So before we start, I'm going to do a little behind the curtain, a little sneak peek behind the curtain. We were supposed to record this on a Tuesday. We were actually recording it now on a Thursday, but we were supposed to record it on a Tuesday. Miguel said he had to go to his dad's birthday party. Can we reschedule? I'm like, yes, this is not important. We can reschedule. Go to your dad's birthday party. Because in life, it is important to have good, solid relationships. And I bring that up because we watched the movie Sergeant Bilko. And this movie has the most toxic, fucked up relationships I've ever seen in a movie. There are hardly, there's like between Dan Aykroyd's character and his wife, they, you know, the colonel and his wife, that might have been a good, healthy relationship. For the most part, there are no good, there are no healthy relationships in this movie. Oh, I thought you were purely talking about the colonel and his wife. Oh, you're talking about uh, Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> character. Yeah. 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 They, they seemed loving and healthy yeah. and happy. They had a garden. You know what yeah. I mean? You only have that when you're in a good relationship. <laughs> so the reason we're doing this movie is the last podcast we did, uh, Miguel brought it up like this was one of the movies from his youth. This was like a movie on a VHS that you had in your house all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we watched this a lot when I was growing up. It's been quite a minute since I've seen it. But uh, yeah, we had this on VHS. It was a regular in our house. Are either of you familiar with the television show from the 50s? No, no. I only- 
I only just found out today that it was based on a show. <laughs> so, uh, basically the same as what Ed just said. I when I was looking up the movie, I was like, "Oh, what's this?" Had no idea it was based on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, it was really one of the first television shows right after TV was invented. Uh, yeah, it was actually yeah one of the very first sitcoms on television. Awesome. Wow, I had no idea. So just to let you know, basically the only thing the TV show and the movie have in common is the name, Sergeant Bilko. And it was a little bit like, in the TV show, the sergeant ran the base and the colonel didn't really know what's going on. That little thing they took that's in the movie, that was from the TV show. But for the most part, the TV show and you know the movie really had nothing, nothing in common. Okay, they, they modernized it. And before we continue, are either of you Steve Martin fans? Well, I like I like Steve Martin. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say like I see every one of his movies or projects, but I mean he's definitely one of those comedians that is iconic. You know what I mean? You yeah. just you know who he is. You know what he's about. In his own way, he's kind of like a uh, a national treasure. You know what I mean? Like Steve Martin, uh, good guy, funny guy, uh, with a history of classics under his belt. You know what I mean? And Currently, he's in that show, uh, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, which uh, with uh, Martin, Martin Short. Short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a lot of fun. And the thing is, uh, no uh, no scandal with Steve Martin. Pretty much a clean slate. You take somebody like Chevy Chase, he has a lot of classics under his belt too, but he's known as an asshole. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, he, a couple of years ago, I guess before COVID, him and Martin Short were doing like a tour together where they were going around doing yeah. like a show. I yeah. wanted to see that. I never got to, but I really wanted to see that. It felt like two icons in the same room would have been great. Well, now we have it on the show. I'm watching on Hulu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Sergeant Bilko, 1996, stars Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, Phil Hartman. Yep, R.I.P. R.I.P. Phil. <laughs> So we open the movie, the first scene, we see the base, and there's a new recruit. He's reporting for duty at the base. And I just want to say before we go on, a lot of great music in this movie. A lot of great music. I, if, uh, if they had a soundtrack, I would definitely buy it. I, yeah, I mean, some recognizable hits. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the music. Solid for a 1996 comedy, I will say that. It was old music, classic rock and roll, tunes like that, which I really enjoyed. And I was glad they didn't use the music of the time to put into this movie, because that was, quite frankly, music I didn't listen to. <laughs> Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd as your cast, that would feel out of place somewhat. If you did like yeah. contemporary music at the time, this isn't Top Gun. You know what I mean? No, yeah. I don't think I don't think Top yeah, Gun used like... contemporary music either. Uh, for the time, I mean. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. I, I, I was like, thinking of the new one. Take my breath away, and you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're flying into the danger zone. Yeah, I gotta say, I thought this. If we're talking about the opening scene, I thought it was a really great, like, concise scene to intro not just Bilko, but like his whole crew of misfits and how they run things on this base. Yeah. Uh, it was great to see it through the new recruits' eyes so that we could kind of like get on board with the antics that we were about to see. Yeah, uh, It's a, a pretty solid opening. Yeah, because there's a scene right before the new recruit has to report to Bilko. There's a nice scene with him and Ackroyd and Dan Ackroyd's office where he's just trying to warn him about Bilko and what's going to happen to him. Private first class, Wiley Holbrook, reporting for duty. First assignment? Yes, ma'am. 
Relax. You know where you're assigned? Motorpool. I'm a mechanic. Okay. Motorpool? Yes, I... You're going straight to the colonel. Colonel, what'd I do? How old are you, son? 19, sir. 19. So young. I'm a first-rate mechanic. My two uncles own the garage down in Allentown. Do you have any money? Yes, sir. Give it to me, please. But I... It's, it's all right. My word, there must be $500 in here. $700. See, I worked at my uncle's... You're going to take $700 in cash into Bill Coe's barracks? Yes, sir. Who, sir? Give me your hat, please. Sergeant Bilko. Master Sergeant Ernest G. Bilko. Well, good luck. Godspeed. Thanks, sir. Remember, if you need anything at all, need any help, the old colonel's door is always open. Thank you, sir. Sir. And I like how he yells everything. Like you could tell he's really earnest and eager to to like be there. So he's like, reporting for duty. You know what I mean? And everyone's just like, calm down. You're too much. It's a fish out of water. But, you know, only he, he's acting like uh, you know, military serviceman should. And again, what he got trained to do, and then he shows up at this place and they're using uh their skill sets to run gambling rings and stuff like that. We get to the carpool, and the first thing we see as the rookie walks in, there is a soldier in a tug-of-war with a horse. Private Doberman. And I must say, he was a character in the original TV show. And they captured him in here in the movie as they did in the uh, TV show. He was just a short, fat slob. This guy played him well, too. I liked Doberman. I was cracking up basically every time he was on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I was just looking him up. Uh, his, the actor's name was Eric Edwards. Uh, and he looks great now. Very physically fit. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Ripped. I thought you were Well, I didn't say died. ripped. He, he's wearing a shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, rest, I, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, he is alive. Oh, I thought you were going to say that Phil Hartman's wife shot him, too. Oh! oh. <laughs> Man, you know what? I didn't realize, but this movie was just, like, a couple of years before he died. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is... I don't... I don't. I think this was his last one. I'm not really sure if his, like, uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised at how quick... Uh, you know, quickly after he passed away. It was insane. Sad. Sad. He was like he he did the voices of several of my favorite characters in The Simpsons: Troy McClure, Lionel Hutz, yeah, and, uh, uh, alter ego Miguel Sanchez. You know, that's right. <laughs> I'm familiar. So there's a tug of war going on. Uh, Doberman is tugging against a horse, and they're betting on it because there's another platoon or another. I think it might be the Marines. So they're betting against it. The Marines are betting on the horse. They're betting on Doberman, and of course. You're going to come to realize that this is all a big con. Uh, Bill Coe is conning the Marines. Uh, Doberman is just pretending to lose. And I'm going to say this. So for the most part, Id, in Steve Martin movies, he doesn't play like the manic, high-strung guy. What he usually does, he's usually more low-key in his humor, but he plays Bill Coe as high energy, really manic, and I like the... I like the change in the personality. I like the change in the character that he did for this movie. Like in comparison to like uh, Father of the Bride. Right. Who is uh, 
uh, I, I wouldn't say like a a penny pin. He's just like yeah. He's he's uh, he's he doesn't like to go crazy with his money, even though he's clearly like a wealthy man. And it's his daughter's wedding. He still likes to keep his wallet shut. Whereas this, it's like the polar opposite. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I just want all the money. Yeah, I want exactly. all the money. Yep. <laughs> he he sniffs out the new recruits' right. money in his hat. Uh, which is he funny. literally sniffs it out. He's literally, like, it's just like because <laughs> the new recruits coming in, and like Miguel said, he's like, you know, private so and so reporting for duty, and. And Steve, and he's like, permission to speak freely. And Steve Martin's like, yeah, yeah, speak freely. It's, I, I, I like don't, yeah. He was like, what is this, Russia? Like, just what <laughs> you want to say. <laughs> I, I just Every time, too. Casual, everything they did was that, like, anytime someone was even halfway serious, they were like, what are you doing? This is not our vibe. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a fun back and forth throughout. I mean, I, he has, it's like with every character, he has his own. Like he has a different rapport with them. Like his wife, we mentioned earlier. Obviously, with uh, Phil Hartman, uh, Dan Aykroyd, he turns into like a kiss ass. You know, he's like, "Have you lost weight?" Yes, that's a running joke through the movie. Whenever he meets somebody, and you know, a powerful person, somebody above him in rank, he's like, "Oh, have you?" Except for the women, he doesn't do it to the women. But whenever he eats a man, he's just like, "Oh, sir, you look fantastic. Have you lost weight?" He knows how to butter butter people up. I did a podcast on this movie a couple of years ago. It's actually one of my first podcasts. So if you want to find out how I felt about this movie a couple of years ago, just go back and check out that podcast. But uh, when I watched it a couple of years ago, and then I rewatched it, I forgot how much Dan Aykroyd is in this movie. I mean, I know that it's you know Steve Martin. I know it's his movie. But I just remember, uh, like, Aykroyd and Phil Hartman being more background players in this movie. But Phil Hartman and Dan Aykroyd are in a good portion of this movie. You never forget they're in the movie. It's not like Christmas with the Cranks when Aykroyd, you know, disappears for long periods of time. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's in this movie. You know he's in this movie from start to finish. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, compared to, like, Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he might as well be the main star uh, of this one. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I mean it's been a few years since I'd seen it, but I kind of forgot how much he was in it. But yeah, you're right. He 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 is uh, like between him and the fiance. I mean, they they both get a lot of screen time. Uh, I guess they're the people that he uh, Bilko's actions are most affecting. Right, because he's right. the commanding officer of the camp, and she is the commanding officer of Steve Martin's heart. And uh... oh, wow! <laughs> there well, it is. In this camp, everybody knows what's going on except for Dan Aykroyd. He's in the dark as the commanding officer, but pretty much everybody else knows about the gambling, about everything going on in the base, and they have this code. Whenever Brass is heading for the motor pool, they play this Chuck Berry song over the loudspeakers. That tells them they have to get all, you know, they have to get everything back to looking military. They have to get rid of all the gambling equipment. And I really like, so they actually have this horse in motor pool. They don't know what to do with it. They string it up. So it's levitating, not levitating, but they have it on ropes in the air. 
And Dan Aykroyd walks in, and he's having a conversation with Steve Martin, and he looks over and he goes, what's that? And Steve Martin, without missing a beat, just says, horseshit, sir, and just goes right back to talking to him. And Dan Aykroyd's like, why is there horseshit in here? And, you know, Steve Martin's like, oh, yeah, we use it to keep the flies off the food. It's He's just very matter-of-factly. Nothing, nothing shakes him. He's just, he's just always there with a line of horseshit. And that was a great just intro to their relationship. You know what I mean? Every time that Dan Aykroyd shows up in this movie and is starting to like sniff something out, like, hey, you're doing something wrong. Bilko is right there to like tell him the obvious thing and then distract him. And he's like a master of that. It was a it was a good bit throughout the movie. So this base, the base that Aykroyd's in charge of, its main purpose is to come up with new weapons for the army, you know, prototype weapons. And right now they're looking at, and they're they're looking at, and they're actually trying to invent a hover tank. <laughs> that, I love that. That was like the most futuristic thing they could think of. They were like yeah. a tank, but it flies. A hover tank. Yeah. <laughs> they still haven't made that yet. But they're sending a guy from the Pentagon to inspect the hover tank, and Ackroyd's worried. He, he's heard rumors that they're closing military bases all over the country, and Ackroyd's worried if their hover tank doesn't work, that they will actually close down this base. Yeah. And then it just happens to be Phil Hartman who has... Yes, it just... ...with uh, Bilko, as it turns out. So Ackroyd leaves, and then Steve Martin starts thinking, it's like, am I supposed to be somewhere? It's noon on a Saturday. Where do I need to be? And then he realizes that he was supposed to be getting married that day. And we cut to the chapel, and there is his bride-to-be, and she's waiting. And apparently he's done this before because she mutters, you know, people are getting up to leave. And she's like, no, sit down. You're not leaving. We're doing this. So Ackroyd, not Ackroyd. So Martin, see, Martin realizes that he has to get married. So he starts driving to the the chapel. The, The newbie, the new guy is driving, and he's in a Jeep with his... Uh, two main officers, uh, and I can't I can't think of their names right now off the top of my head. John Marshall Jones as Sergeant Henshaw, and Pamela Adlon as Sergeant Raquel Bar- Barbella. Okay, Barbella, Barbella, Barbella. Yeah, <laughs> she she does like voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! Oh, that's I cool. Reckon- I recognized her from a couple other things. I had no idea she was Bobby Hill. Dude, that's yeah. hilarious. And she's pretty funny in this movie, too. I thought she was yeah. a pretty good... We really only have two main female leads in this movie. And they're both really good. They're both really funny in this movie. We have a third. We have uh, the woman who played uh, Aykroyd's wife. Uh, she was the mom on the 70s show. And I don't know her name either. But she was like a minor third female lead. She didn't have a lot of screen time. Now, before we get to the to the chapel, we see them whipping around in traffic. They're driving. They're trying their chains. Their their asses up in the air, trying to put pants on. And I don't know if you guys notice it, but there's a scene where this quote unquote little old lady is crossing the street, and you could tell that is not an old lady. That is just a big strapping stunt man. And they didn't even bother try to hide that. They didn't even bother try to cover that up. <laughs> Uh, it's a good bit. A lot of good, really f- a good physicality throughout the film, too. I mean, and you're talking about Steve Martin being uh, manic. He's got a lot of... Sorry, my cat's trying to get out. Get out. Go. Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of a lot of good physicality throughout the film, too. One of my favorite uh, bits 
is when Phil Hartman shows up for the first time and Steve Martin's been, he's been golfing around the base. And as soon as Phil Hartman pulls up, he's like, Bilko. And then he like flings the, the golf club <laughs> halfway across the world. Hi, Bubba. <laughs> Sorry, my son's coming in here to say goodnight. Goodnight. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of commotion going on in the Sanchez house right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about toxic relationship and it was just something like you, it's clearly set up from the beginning that he's standing her up, not standing her up. Like he's just neglectful. He just is forgetful or whatever. And he's not at the wedding and it's something that's been happening over and over again. And you're like, how can this person stay with uh, yeah, Steve Martin after he's just, you know, not showing up, not committing. And then as soon as he shows up and the whole, the crowd is gone they sit down and they start playing gin together. And then you realize, Oh, she's just as like, she's got a little bit of a gambler too. Yeah. Like they're addicted to each other. Almost. They work together as much as I did. Like how, uh, in that moment of distress, she was just like, she went up to that guy in the pews. (laughs) It was like, uh, I just, I just realized I always loved you. (laughs) And, uh, let's get married. And he's like, I'm engaged to your sister. Uh, that was fun. She she was like in her own way. She was like a Sergeant Bilko character. You know yep. what I mean? Determined to get what she wanted. In which, in this case, obviously, like getting married to Bilko, who was like constantly a disappointment. But yeah, she couldn't drop that. No, it was yeah fun chemistry, Addicted. but yes, toxic. So they're all yeah, because when they're they're all driving back to the base and. Steve Martin's telling everybody, yeah, she didn't expect me to be there. She didn't expect you to marry her. It's all a game. He actually says, it's all a game. And here's the thing. If I am invited to your wedding repeatedly because the groom doesn't show up because it's some sort of game, well, fuck your wedding and fuck your game. I am not going to come here one more time. I will never show up again. No more wedding gifts. No more suits. She had a couple of really good lines where she was like, I've got a maid of honor on call 24-7, and I'm the <laughs> only one in town whose wedding dress is, like, uh, tearing apart due to wear, because I keep yeah. wearing it over and over again. These are great moments, and uh, you're absolutely right, Scott. I mean, a pretty toxic relationship. They they shouldn't be together. No. So Steve Martin heads back to the base. So I'm going to get a little nitpicky here. He gets back to the base, and then for no reason whatsoever, he starts telling a story about Phil Hartman. Out of nowhere. And then it just so happens that Phil Hartman's going to show up here about 20 minutes later and, and just wreak havoc on his life. So I thought that was a little trite, and that was a little convenient, that for no reason he tells a story about this guy whose life he's ruined, and all of a sudden this guy shows up out of nowhere. Perfect uh, setup, though. And the reveal of Phil Hartman. Man, I, I feel like he played that character so many times in so many different movies. Uh, just like the su- like self-righteous superior who is trying to steal the guy's girl away from him, but was also utterly repulsive. Yeah. Just because he's just sleazy in his own way. Anyway. Sorry. Hey, my podcasts are better when I don't speak. Um, <laughs> I've had a few guests on my podcast where they just don't talk, and I had to pull words out of them. I'm like, talk, talk. I brought you on here to talk. 
we will talk. We will yes. talk. Um, we're we're going to let you lead, though. So we see the flashback with Steve Martin, and he's on base with Phil uh, Phil Hartman. And Phil Hartman's a real hard ass. And in the flashback, Steve Martin's hair has died, so you know that it's in the past. That's you know that's good to know. But what happened was Steve Martin fixed a fight, and through a series of mix-ups or whatever, both fighters thought that they had to throw the fight. So when the fight starts, Martin describes it as sort of like a ballerina, a dance recital. They're just dancing around, and then one fighter accidentally lands a punch, and then they both fall down. That's when the crowd gets... Uh... Uh, aggressive, I guess. Uh, and then Phil Hartman tries to, uh, I guess, pin it on Bilko, right? Because So I want to say this. I know Phil Hartman is playing a hard-ass, psychotic person in this movie, but at this point in his life, he has done nothing wrong. You kind of understand, nothing. like, why he's so bitter towards Bilko. I can totally see why he's got a hard-on for Bilko at this point. What happens is, he rushes in, he finds the money that they used to bribe the boxers with, and they get a picture of him with the money, and now they think he's the one who fixed the fight. And in turn, he never really uh, gets promoted throughout the military. He kind of like lingers at the same rank because he, he can't ever get beyond that scandal. You know what I mean? And here's Bilko, who never works, and is yeah. always trying to get someone something over on someone, and he's, you know, a master sergeant, or whatever his title is. You know, he's clearly doing better just because he doesn't do any work. And you understand, kind of, yeah, like I said, you kind of understand uh, Phil Hartman's whole mentality from, straight from the jump. I totally understand where Phil, Phil Hartman is coming from, because I know people like Sergeant Bilko, and I hate them. <laughs> because they they because I do things by the book and I get penalized all the time and they're just floating through life not giving a shit being able to get away with everything it's like I admire them for what they do but I also hate them for what they get away with <laughs> but you want to be happy for them but you want to bring them down yes <laughs> Bring like him down to my on. misery. Yeah, bring uh. him down to pen. That's hilarious. At least you've never been sent to Greenland to freeze. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. Have you guys seen Stripes, the Bill Murray movie? Uh, yes, I have. I've, I've seen it only once, and I was pretty young, so I don't remember. Well, there's a scene where a commanding officer fucks up, and he gets sent to Iceland. I was wondering if pick that up from, from Stripes. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned Stripes because when I was looking at Sergeant Bilko, when I was like doing a little bit of research and reading the synopsis and stuff online, it was like, I think it's Prime, Amazon Prime, that was like, Stripes, this is not. You know what I mean? Like they're, <laughs> like, they're even like comparing it to that. It's funny you brought that up. Where would you, how would you compare this to Stripes, Scott? Oh, Stripes is much better. Stripes is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, okay. Stripes is a different movie. It is a little bit. Like, I mean, Bill Murray and Steve Martin are just, in a weird way, they're just like vastly different people. Yes. And their humor is vastly different, too. They're kind of like, you know what I mean? Like the good angel and the bad angel of each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. exactly. Like they, like they the they rebel. Can... Yeah. And the more wholesome guy. 
who tries to be a rebel occasionally. Yeah. Like yeah. clearly in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Whereas like Bill Murray does it so effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene in there where Dan Aykroyd is looking at the hover tank and the guy, the guy who ha- who's in charge of it, he's like this weaselly little guy who's just oh, like, man. it doesn't work. It's, it might work, and it was like... I, this, this guy had no confidence in this hover tank. I loved the way he played that character. Like, everything was just like... Like, every time it fucked up, he was like, yeah, I told you it was going to fuck up. You <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> and he was just like... I don't know why. He's one of my favorites in this movie, because they use him just enough. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. No, he. I liked the way he played this character. It was very believable. His name yeah. is... Uh... Austin Pendleton, and uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but he was in Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, he was the guy selling umbrellas and uh, dressed up as Santa Claus, and somehow oh. wheedled his way into the party. Turned out he was in fact Santa Claus. He was the oh. real Santa Claus. He was he was the one. <laughs> he was the guy that nobody knew. Like at the party, he's like, "Do you know that guy?" But he like knew everybody else because he was Santa, right? Exactly. Oh, so, okay, okay. I remember uh, that now. Continuity, continuity. I see. That's right. <laughs> so it's evident that the hover tank doesn't work, and then Phil Hartman shows up to inspect the hover tank, and Phil Hartman is just this no nonsense. When he gets there, it's like you know, saluting, and and, and there was a real. First of all, the seeing Phil Hartman. You know, brought back warm fuzzies for me because he was he was my Saturday Night Live when I sure. was in high school. Different periods of time, Saturday Night Live means more more to some people, and that was my time in high school. You know, staying yeah. up late, so that he was my he was my Saturday Night Live, and seeing him and Ackroyd together, just these two great impressionists. Phil Hartman lands in a helicopter, and Phil Hartman does that old hunching over when he goes to greet him, but like. After they walk back to the jeep, they're like well out of the the blades, but 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 Dan Aykroyd is still hunched over, like when he's. <laughs> uh, he plays he plays that like kind of dumb leader uh, pretty well in this movie. Uh, they have a couple of really good moments with uh, with each other, like when he's trying to get him to transfer Bilko, and he's trying to get him to understand like. You got to suggest that he gets transferred, and he has this whole like, I don't really follow what you're saying. Yeah, and he got later. He calls him a uh, Phil Hartman calls Dan Aykroyd a boob, and he like grabs his <laughs> cheek, and he's like, he's a boob. And I was like, God, this is fucking hysterical. Man. Yeah, like and yeah. it's absolutely a uh, a good whatever of uh, the character. He he understood him. Anyway, yeah, played it well. And Aykroyd has a bald spot, and he's like, fuck it, I'm going bald. I'm not going to wear a toupee. I'm not going to do anything. It's, I'm just going to wear my bald spot. I'm going to wear it proud. And I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> <laughs> was that like really? the first for him or something? No, in a lot of his movies, he sports his bald spot. And I just think it's cool. It's just like, yeah, I'm not wearing a toupee. I'm not going to cover up my bald spot. I'm just going to wear it. It's out there. I'm bald. Who cares? I believe in aliens and shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's, he's got his thing, you know. He does. <laughs> um, and that I, I might be mixing this up with a later scene. Is that the bit where they're talking about chicken casserole or something like that? Yes, like, yes. They saw the casserole. It's really good, <laughs> and they mention it. 
maybe like three or four times. Like, yeah, Dan Acker is like, oh, you know, you should stay for that chicken casserole. We have great chicken casserole. And Phil Hartman just wants to get out of there. The hover tank doesn't work. But then it comes out that Sergeant Bilko is on the space. And once Phil Hartman finds out that Sergeant Bilko is on the space, then he perks up and he's like, yeah, you know what? I think I will stay for that chicken casserole. And it's off to the races at that point. It's off to the races. And this is a scene where Bilko is golfing around the base. I'm telling you, the way that Steve Martin just flings that thing and it just goes. (laughs) And he's like, it can't be. It can't be. And of course it is. Lieutenant Thorne. Actually, it's Major Thorne now. Well, congratulations. Ernie, how are you? I didn't know you were still in the service. I would have looked you up a long time ago. I'll bet. Tell me, Colonel, is he still the same rascal he was at Fort Dix? Oh. Well, that's one way of putting it. You changed my life, friend. Remember that little boxing match? Boxing match. That made me a new man. You remember how stiff and uptight I used to be? Well, thanks to this character, I discovered you can't treat people that way, and I'm a better man for it. Thanks, Ernie. Sure. What was that? Greyhound, sir. How long will you be with us, Major? Not long. Well, Colonel, what do you say we have some of that fine chicken casserole? Oh, absolutely, and some jellied yams as well. Ha! back to the barracks and cancel everything the dances the raffles the mud wrestling on the obstacle course everything uh no it was cracking me up the relationships between bilko and hartman and bilko and dan Aykroyd. uh i was i was doing a, a good amount of laughing throughout this movie i was having a good yeah. time <laughs> and then we see the opposite side of we see the sinister sneaky side of phil hartman where he's pretending ernie Buddy, yeah, it's good to see ya. It's, and 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 Steve Martin doesn't buy it for buy it for a second. is totally taken in. He doesn't yeah, know what's yeah. going on, but but Steve Martin doesn't buy it for a moment. Right? No, he knows. I ruined his life. He's coming after me now. Yeah, and he you know he tries like buttering him up, but he also knows Phil Hartman better than that. So yeah, I, but I, I do love when. Phil Hartman throughout the movie he uh, like imposes his uh, military uh, superiority and starts like yelling at him and every time that like he does that to him Steve Martin's just like you know jumpy as hell doesn't know which way (laughs) to go but then when he does it to his troops he's just like starts barking literally he's like Like, that's a fun like the fact that they keep doing that too is just like a fun uh, back and forth. Again, uh, that they keep that they have a number of those throughout this movie. But uh, I do, I do like Steve Martin is so good in those moments. His like physical reaction. Yeah, and he also whenever speaking of whenever he salutes, he sort of does his whole body. And this is a podcast, mm-hmm. so I don't know, but he 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 does this like his whole body like bends when he salutes. <laughs> Like his his knee goes inside and stuff yeah. like that. It's definitely not at attention. It's just very like almost flamboyantly, like he's never like he's never seen someone salute. Salute, someone told ever, him, yeah. But someone told him you just have to put your hand to your forehead, and he was like, yeah. "Okay." Like, yeah, he's forgotten how to do it or whatever. Or uh, what was it? Uh, I I can't remember what at what point. Uh, 
he was talking to the or the new recruit was suggesting something or doing something and he's like how'd you learn how to do that it's like they teach us that at boot camp it's like <laughs> really <laughs> he he like karate chops a guy or something he like oh that's the right guy over yeah and he's like yeah, should, it, that's the kind of stuff they should teach in the army and he was like this is this is what they're <laughs> teaching <laughs> yeah the big bulky guy right yeah 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 yeah, that's fun. I will say this. I wish we had a more eclectic group of recruits, or I'm, I'm sorry, a Bilko's men, because they all seem the same. You have the main, you have his two main ones, and you have Doberman, and then you have the new recruit, but all the rest of them sort of just all blend together. I don't know. I liked that cast of characters. I thought they, I thought they each had played, you know, because like the big guy's dumb, you know, the fat guy's fat. Uh, the, the, one bit guy's, dumb. The, the one guy's Italian and a bit dumb. Yeah, I guess you're. I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're all they're all a bit dumb a little bit at some point. Yeah, I was trying to say who's the Italian guy. Uh, he's, he's the, the guy. Who's he's the good looking guy who dresses. Oh yes, okay, yeah. Who dresses he's like the, a lady? That's who at I'm the thinking end. Of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who tries to uh, seduce yeah. Phil Hartman later? Yeah, we'll get into that. You, the the kid, the one that looked like he was twelve. Yeah, he had a little baby face. So Steve Martin and a couple of his guys rush back to the barracks, and when they get to the barracks, they're having a field hockey uh, competition. It's the finals, and he's trying to get everybody's attention, and then all of a sudden they hear the radio again. That means that the brass is coming to inspect the barracks, and they look out the window, and they see Dan Aykroyd and Phil Hartman coming towards the barracks, so Steve Martin puts on his thinking cap and he says, oh, you know what we'll do? The other, the people at the barracks next to us, they're out on maneuvers. We'll take over their barracks. So they run over next door and they switch the signs. They're in barracks A and they switch to barracks A and the barracks B signs. And Dan Aykroyd comes around the corner and he plays this perfectly. He looks at the sign and he thinks he knows what barracks he's going to. But then he realizes that it's not the right barracks, and then he starts looking at the where are we on the base, and he, this is the north, this is south, and it's just that he plays, Dan Aykroyd plays befuddlement perfectly here. He doesn't go over the top, he's just mildly befuddled, befuddled just for a moment, and he thinks, oh, well, this must be the barracks over here. So he, you can tell who, like, failed upwards in life, you know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> just was, like, in the right place at the right time and was always promoted because of it. And now he's this leader who doesn't really know how to lead. Uh, he just exists. And he kind of like, you know, Bilko kind of pushes him around a little bit. Uh, but he just also kind of lets it happen. You know what I mean? Because it's easier than, having to, than yeah. having to think about it. It doesn't feel exactly like he's turning a blind eye. But it, it, it is almost like he's oblivious to... He's a boob. He, he, I, yeah. I mean, Phil Hartman put it perfectly. I'm going to start saying that. I fucked up watching this movie today because I'm going to start saying that all the time now. And I'm going to start grabbing people's cheeks when I say it. Too. Yeah. Hey, you boob. <laughs> it's such an old timey, uh, I don't know, insult, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. you get it. You get it right away. You're like, okay, I get it. You know what kind I mean? Of like, I like boobs, but a also slap I on the it. wrist. Like, kind yeah. of thing. Like, you boob. Something your parents would say to you or your grandparents. But yeah, it's funny. This is a great scene, though, when they all have to stand in front of their their barracks or or quarters or whatever you call them. 
And uh, it's clearly uh, that they've taken over this other group's rooms and no one has any idea what to expect when they go in there. And, you know, every one of them is like, you know, one guy, uh, (laughs) it's a white guy. And, you know, he's got kind of basic stuff on the, you know, posters on the wall and stuff. But then there's like an African-American family, like in a picture frame. (laughs) And he's like, who... (laughs) Who are these people? And he was like, oh, that's the cast of my favorite television show, which I, in my head, I was like, just say you're adopted or whatever. But he went, he had to take it like a next step and like to that line. And it was right. just like, I guess if I like a show, I might frame the cast photo. And the name that he gave the TV show was ridiculous. It was just this really ridiculous, my big black family or, or, or something like that. Just a really ridiculous name. Yeah, it was ju- just the most like shallow naming of a show that he could think <laughs> yeah. of in that moment. Uh, and he's got like dolls and stuff, and there was just like, "Yep, yeah, that's my room." Oh, and then they they go to the uh, the other guy's room, and he, it's like filled with like women's lingerie and things like that. And they do a, a pretty good like "Don't ask, don't tell" joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, you can't you can't ask me those questions. Who, yeah, he's like, "Whose is this?" It's like I don't think you can. Ask me that, sir. So. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd has a good bit as he's walking out of that room where he like very casually like sneaks a peek, like what's going on under there. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, this is this is a pretty solid scene. It's one of my favorites. And then of course they get to Doberman, and uh, Steve Martin is like pretending to get angry so he can look good, and he's like, "Drop and give me 20. <laughs> and then, the fact that he just goes, okay, we're going for one. Let's do one. <laughs> let's let's do one. And then later it's just like, and that's twenty. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. He like he knows how to handle every individual in his unit, except for the new recruit. Bilko knows how to sell a lie. You know what I mean? Like for he, sure. he's done it enough that he knows how to just kind of like as soon as someone's back's turned, he goes, okay, this is the story now. You know, and he won't. Co- yeah, he'll commit to it. He won't drop drop it any. Like mm. under any interrogation, like he has an answer for everything, which Steve Martin does so well. And just to put it out there, all of Steve Martin's underlings thinks he's a god. They all worship him, except for the new recruit. Except for the new recruit, everybody else worships him. And it's like he's always going to know what to do. He's always got a plan, and that's going to come into play later. But the next scene, I believe, is that, okay, so his girlfriend is a teacher. I guess she's a theater teacher because she's doing a scene with her students. They're, and they're basically reenacting what is happening between him and her. They're, the, chi- the children are reenacting that, re-enacting that in, front of, in front of her. And Steve Martin comes in and one of the little girls asks, why would she stay with somebody that doesn't respect her? And Steve Martin goes, well, even though this man lies all the time, the one thing he never lies about is his love for her. Which is not really better. That's not better. You know, he lies all the time, even if he does love her and she loves him. When does she know when he's not lying if he lies all the time? All the time. I she and to go back to like the wedding scene earlier, she even tells him, like, I think you love me, but sometimes it's just hard to know. And it's just like, girl, you gotta take a step back. You gotta reevaluate yeah, small, this. Yeah, small town girl, one love kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, I get the impression that it's a small town. I don't do they ever say where they're at? Somewhere in they're California. in California somewhere, but I'm not <laughs> well, sure yeah. where. 
I mean, it's beautiful. The sun is out. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, no, very much just like, like we were saying earlier, a very uh, obsessive personality or compulsive uh, personality uh, that just kind of bounces off his, his own. So she gives him an ultimatum. You have 30 days to marry me, and if you don't marry me in 30 days, or she says something like, if this finger is still naked in 30 days, we're done forever. And Steve Martin's like, fine. Why don't you go with me to the Rusty Spur tonight? Just me and you, we're just going to go out to the Rusty Spur. That's their hangout. We're just going to go there and have a good time. And so before, either before or while this is happening, Phil Hartman calls in a couple of people, and uh, one of them is Chris Rock. Chris Rock is in this movie. Like, whoa, I totally <laughs> forgot that he was in this. And Molly Shannon. Uh, bo- uh, no. So, no, that's that was not Molly, Molly Shannon. No, no, no. Hang on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm reaching for anything to find out. Wait, I've got, it, I've got it pulled up here. Hang on. That's definitely. Although Molly Shannon could totally play that role. Kathy Silvers. Ah. Okay, I was mistaken then. Yeah, I thought Kathy that was Silvers. Molly Shannon. But they're a good, fun couple of characters as well. I, I mean, I watched the uh, before I watched the movie. I watched the trailer just to be like, "What was the trailer like back in '96?" And <laughs> Chris Rock has a very small bit in the trailer that was like kind of blink and you miss it. And for a half second, I was just like, "Was that fucking Chris Rock?" You know what I mean? <laughs> and then when he actually shows up, he's this like dweeby, skinny little guy. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And not that he's like super buff now or anything, but it's just. Uh, well, you almost don't, you almost don't very, recognize him. He's very like loud and uh, big character in most of his movies, that, or whatever we see him in. So to see him so like quiet and shy, a little dorky too. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's a different time. I mean, I guess this was uh, the beginning, like early days of his career, obviously. This was 96, so he was on Saturday Night Live at the time. Oh, he was. Okay, so there's like a lot of Saturday Night Live alumni. (laughs) Alumni? Alumni. Alumni. Yeah, whatever. Illuminati. (laughs) Very much. A lot of SNL Illuminati. (laughs) I'm British. Give me, yeah, cut me some slack. Uh, But yeah, okay, that makes more sense. So these two are experts in finding dirt. That's why he brought him in. I want you, he's like, I want you to go over the computers. I want you to go over the books. I want you to go over the inventory. Go over everything with a fine-tooth comb because he really wants to nail Bilko's ass to the wall. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My talk is just distracting me. <laughs> Drinking very loudly. Uh, yeah, that, that's a nice sequence, too. Like a little montage uh, of... I mean, Bilko immediately trying to adapt to the situation and uh, trying to, uh, I guess, hook them up, you know, with one another. Yes. Yeah, he's trying to set them up because he gets in Chris Rock's ear. He's like, every time you look away, she looks at you. And then every time you look at her, she looks away. I really think she likes you. So he's trying to set up a love connection between these two. Anything to distract from the shit he's pulling over on other people. You know what I mean? Right. That's how they describe it in the movie. They describe him as a music, as a uh, magician. It's like, wow, you know, we're concentrating on his right hand while all the shady stuff is going on with his left hand. Yeah, um, exactly. And it, I mean, he almost wills it into reality because obviously they do harbor feelings for one another. 
and later in the movie yeah yeah Yeah. you know so uh yeah he's a determined son of a gun then we go to the rusty spur and steve martin is there he brings his girlfriend there and all of his gang is there and phil hartman is there and this is where phil hartman puts in his the second part of his plan and a second part of his plan is to steal bilko's girlfriend scummy it is scummy but just to be truthful here Bill Cole's girlfriend is not totally innocent, and and we'll get to all that. So we have another toxic relationship, a relationship where Phil Hartman is hitting on this woman, not because he likes her, not because he loves her, but he just wants to steal her away from Bilko. They're at the bar, then all of a sudden, Bilko, he gets sucked into a poker game. The major who was working on the hover tank, he walks in, and he says there's going to be a poker game going on, and Bilko plays dumb, like, poker, what's that? And, dumb. Um... <laughs> oh, fun, let's go play cards. Yes. Um, is this enough money? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, classic, classic uh, card shark right there. Yeah. So what Phil Hartman does is, he's like, I want to see all your men outside the barracks at 0500, and Phil Hartman orders Bilko and all of his men out of the Rusty Spur back to base. And yeah. then he uses that time to try to seduce Steve Martin's girlfriend. Although we're missing a key moment. Uh, the recruit, the new recruit, uh, is into uh, a girl at the bar that he sees. And Steve Martin, Bilko, actually helps him like make a, some sort of love connection with this woman. And that's kind of the first time that the recruit is like, man, you know what? Maybe I do kind of like Bilko. I've been kind of yeah. a stick up my ass this entire time. But I can kind of relate to him a little bit more now. And I think that's important for their character development later. Good catch. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And that's another one of those moments where he starts barking at him. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. Yeah, he's like, at least sit down and buy her a meal. And he's like, sit down, buy her a meal. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, 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 he looks back and he goes, you know, that's my sergeant. And you're like, okay, you guys are kind of clicking. He's starting yep. to see that magic, that Bilko magic a little bit. You know what I mean? This is a good relationship. However, the relationship is still based on lies. He lied to that woman to get, because she was there with somebody. So he lied to her to get that date out of the way to set up his guy. Uh, just a minor detail, he said. Oh, yeah. so she's with someone. Who cares? I can fix that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Bilko faction. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you're right. Phil Hartman ends up kind of stealing uh, Bilko's girl away in this scene after he uh, sends them all back to the base. She plays it a little bit differently than you expect. You know, you say she's not innocent, but it's not as though she just falls in love with Phil Hartman. She actually uses Phil Hartman, you know what I mean, as... So that's what I'm talking about. She knows what she's doing. She doesn't want Phil Hartman. She just wants to use Phil Hartman to make Steve Martin jealous. So that's a toxic relationship on toxic on top of a toxic relationship on top of a toxic relationship, okay? Yeah, she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, Which, again, showcases how much she's perfect for Bilko and he's perfect for her. You know what I mean? Like, they really are in sync. They, yeah. just, need, they just need to go that one final step and make it official. There's some military training going on, and it's going to be close to Las Vegas. Vegas. Steve Martin wants, yeah, uh, yeah. Steve Martin wants to go to Vegas. Dan Aykroyd is not going to let him, but Phil Hartman talks Aykroyd into letting him go to Vegas. That way, Steve Martin and his guys are off the base. That gives his guys time to break into the computer, and that gives him alone time with Steve Martin's girlfriend. So getting him off base is twofold. Slimy scumbag. 
but it's a really good moment when they all show up in Vegas and they're riding down the strip in the tank and uh, they like pull up to the valet. You know what I mean? And, you know, they're looking at the fireworks or waterfall or whatever. And Steve Martin starts crying. And she's like, oh, Sarge, you're crying. And he's like, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> and you're like, you know, he's in his he's in his like Mecca. You know what I mean? Like this is where his Bilko's character thrives is uh, yeah. gambling. And there's a, a lot of really good, you know, they they he's like kind of commanding the casino. They're winning at slots. They're going to craps. The big dumb guy is like. But Sarge, like, aren't you worried that Phil, Phil Hartman's going to be doing something? And he's like, did you just think about that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they, they do a lot of really good bits where they showcase this guy's dumb and Bill Coach just kind of like puts his hand on his shoulder. Like, you really are dumb. Yeah. Uh, but I love you. Yeah. But but again, yeah, like you're a part of my crew and I take care it's of It's endearing. Yeah. Like, you definitely, I mean, I, I guess they're just like all, they're all fond of uh, their place in life right now in there, you know, and they don't want that to change him, especially. Uh, and so there's like this familial feeling like, I mean, we were talking about the characters earlier, but the, yeah, I feel like everybody just plays their part well enough that you appreciate the dynamics between everybody. Like it's nothing feels forced or random. I feel like not to jump too far ahead, but Bilko at one point says, you know, when they get to the planning of the hovercraft scene later, He's like, you know, you guys hang out here and if anyone shows up, just act dumb. And he points to the big dumb guy and he goes, and you're in charge of that. And <laughs> it's a it's a fun joke because he's calling him dumb. But then they cut to the guy and he's like, he's like proud of himself. He's like, yeah, I am in charge. Like he's looking yes. around. <laughs> I got this surge. You know, yeah. they 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 want the best. They want to they want to do right by Bilko. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good scene in Vegas. You know, he's getting a little kooky at the craps table. He's throwing the dice, and and in Steve Martin fashion, you know what I mean? Like his physicality is sometimes a little rigid, and so he's doing these like dance moves. And he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," you know what I mean? And you're like, "You look like you don't have a single bit of rhythm in your body." You know what I mean? Uh, Who's Sergeant Bilko? I mean, yeah, or Steve Martin? Yeah. Start, I mean, Steve Martin has always, I don't know, he, he's a kind of dad kind of, you yeah. know, like, I mean, he's had gray hair as long as I've seen him in film, uh, basically, and I feel like he always ends up dancing in some kind of, like, but he pulls it off, you know. I love that they do the classic, like, ooh, the dice are hot, you gotta blow on a bit, but instead yeah. of him, like, giving them to the girl to blow on, he sets them down, and then all three of them blow on it together. <laughs> You're like, this is this is good. This is good. I'm cracking up at this right it's now. It's just like little bits, little bits that they go the extra mile for. So while they're in Vegas, they actually break into the computer and they, they discover all of his gambling stuff. Oh, yeah. Phil Hartman sends, you know, the two hackers away. You know, once again, he turns on that false, you kids have done a great job. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take the rest of the night off and do what? Have fun. <laughs> and real slimy. I mean, Phil Hartman played this role to a T. And like Ed said, he's probably played this in a dozen movies. Yeah. Uh, but the reason he does is because he does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he screws and, him up. He tries to pin it on Bilko that he's, you know, right. spending all yeah. this money. So he gets into his files and he's, he makes it look like Bilko is funneling money from the hover tank into his personal accounts. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take that to Dan Aykroyd. But before that happens... 
Here's where you get another manipulation. Steve Martin's girlfriend gets another soldier to call Steve Martin and say, oh, yeah, she's dating Phil Hartman. So she's just as good at the manipulation game than he is. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, and she knows how to play it at his game. And is it because she's this kind of scummy character as well? Or she's learned, this is like a learned behavior because Bilko just constantly manipulates. It's rubbed off on, it's rubbed exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know? That's what I that's what I was saying earlier. Is like I don't really think there's a toxic relationship, but I think she really plays this level, this game, simply because she's like, this is the only way I'm gonna get what I want. Otherwise, you know what I mean? I'm just gonna be tossed to the side and forgotten. Yeah. So this is kind of a tangent. Uh I mean we can talk about it later. I was surprised to find out that she's passed away since this movie has come out. I was looking her up today because I wanted to see what else she had done and she looked familiar. And it said she passed away in 2017. From like a heart episode, like some sort of, I don't know. I vaguely, yeah, I vaguely. Oh, she did indeed. Yeah, she did indeed. <laughs> you looking uh, it up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can, well, couldn't I, take I, me in my word, huh? No, no, no. Well, I have to. I have the Sergeant Bilko uh, uh, IMDb pulled up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I recognized her from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin again. Also Steve Martin. I vaguely remember that, uh, but she had passed away, so. Uh, oh yeah, she was in the night of. Did either of you watch that? She no. was in a she was in a couple things. Like she even had a, a credit after she passed. You know what I mean? That release. Yeah. So she was working right up till. Sad, sad. Uh, but anyway, yes. So uh, back to the movie. So she was manipulating <laughs> Bilko a little bit, saying, "I'm, you know, tell him I'm going out with this guy, Phil Hartman." To which we get the fun scene of him showing up at that same restaurant with. The Italian guy dressed up yeah. as a blonde woman. Before that happens, we have that scene that you were talking about where Phil Hartman goes to Dan Aykroyd and says, Bill Coe's been funneling money. He's trying to get Dan Aykroyd to say transfer. Well, it's no wonder then the hover tank has never worked. Yes, sir. He's been diverting research funds into his own private account. You know, Colin, for all the differences I've had with Bill Coe over the years, I have to admit, I've always kind of liked him. The way he kept up the men's morale, the way he pretended to cry when I went on leave, the way every year on my birthday he'd have the men mow my name in the main lawn with a big heart around it. But now I suppose they'll have to be a court-martial. Yes, sir. Unless... Unless? It's just that I know we'd both do anything to spare Bilko a court-martial. If he could just be quietly punished. Yeah, sure. But... But how? The CEO has certain powers, sir. Powers? Can't he, for instance, have a soldier... Trans... Transatlantic? Transvestite? Transferred? What a wonderful idea. Yes, well, the wheels are always spinning. Of course, it would have to be somewhere where there'd be no chance of his ever making this kind of trouble again. Greenland. Uh, and uh, Phil Hartman is plays it really good, too. Like, he's just so annoyed by Dan Aykroyd throughout this yeah. entire movie. And he's like, God damn it, I just need you to be on the same page with me just once. <laughs> so they now they're going to transfer Bilko to Greenland. 
or Iceland. Yep. One of that's green. That's green. Greenland. Yeah. We now we have the scene where they're in the restaurant and he brings in one of his guys dressed as a girl. He's trying to make his girlfriend. It's just all. It's just all. He's trying to make her jealous, and and she's trying to make him jealous. It's just just get together. Why? <laughs> Why all that you guys you guys don't care about other people, you want to be together. I don't, it's this like it's, it's the game, the, it's a kink, yeah, game, it's like but, a they get off on it, yeah, uh, yeah. But they're not kids if you were younger, yeah, when you're younger, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, I might be playing game, but it's it's like you're in your in this movie, they're I guess they're in their 40s, shouldn't the games be over? Uh, just like, settle down at this point. Yeah, you know if I mean? you want to settle the down, <laughs> settle down. <laughs> they're, they're, they're addicts, like we said earlier. They just, uh, it's it's their rhythm. Like she, It's almost like she craves the drama uh, Ooh, to, see, yeah. to see what it does to him kind of thing. But because he's so uh, devil-may-care, it's... Uh, I don't know. She she's constantly striving to get him to, uh, you know, just like burst with this like love and affection and commitment and stuff. But at the same time, I don't think like clearly there's a part of her who likes again the game. I guess Steve Martin finds out he's going to be transferred to Greenland. Greenland. Right. And he sort of has a mini breakdown. <laughs> Do I know what I'm doing? Maybe, sort of, kind of. Classic, like, Steve Martin bit. Just kind of, like, yeah. over-dramatic reaction to something, I guess, and starts breaking down. And then, yeah, I guess that's when they plan uh, on making the tank work. The new recruit comes up with an idea that if the hover tank works, that proves that you weren't funneling money into your own private account, and that means you won't get transferred. And Steve Martin's like, can you make the hover tank work? And he's like, oh God, no, no, we, we can't make it work. However, we can make it look like it works. And he says something like, we don't have to, you know, if we have five aces, we can bluff with five aces or something like that. And then, of course, as they're setting all that up, Phil Hartman comes in and is trying to sabotage the whole thing. So Steve Martin, the new recruit, they go to the tank, they try to fix it up. And while this is happening, they get a couple of dumb guys to put a bug in Phil Hartman's ear. So they're at a bar. Phil Hartman is sitting up at the bar and they're talking about, hey, you know, Sergeant Bilko got the tank working, blah, blah, blah. And this is really the only slapstick part of the movie for Phil Hartman. He's sitting in a bar stool, and he keeps leaning back, and he keeps leaning back, and he keeps leaning back, and he leans back so far that he falls on the floor, and then once that happens, he just pops up, brushes himself off, and walks out. It's, it's a good bit. Like, yeah. Just little bursts of little bits like that throughout yeah. the whole movie that makes it more worthwhile and then of course he like breaks into the tank and he like steals whatever like vital piece of machinery yeah. that's supposed to get it working yeah because they mislead him right they got they he has the elements working yeah yeah uh, and he takes like the microchip or something like that very like 90s technology you know what i mean he like pulls the motherboard and he's like <laughs> yeah i've got the science in my pocket so steve martin goes to Dan Aykroyd's house. He lives on the base, and Dan Aykroyd, and Dan Aykroyd, he's just out there. 
he's got this big hat on, he's got his white shoes on, he's got his shorts and his socks pulled up, and he's just watering his flowers, and he's just singing, yeah, I like the nightlife, I love to boogie. And he just looks like a regular guy. He doesn't look like, he just looks like your dad, or he just looks like your uncle, he just looks like a regular guy. He, he doesn't look like a comic genius who's a little bit screwed up in the head. Sometimes I get the impression that's just how Dan Aykroyd is in his personal life. Uh, and he seems very at home. <laughs> yeah. And they just happened to bring the camera around that day. And they were like, yeah. oh, yeah. you mind filming this scene? <laughs> on, your, on your front lawn. Yeah, so Steve Martin convinces Dan Aykroyd, you get the big brass down here, we got the tank working, and if the tank works in front of the big brass, then I don't get transferred to Greenland. So they work all that out. Uh, the next day the general shows up, and uh, they're going to test the tank, and Steve Martin is driving the tank, and at this point, we get <laughs> we get some 1990 CS, uh, not CSI, uh, CGI, uh, you know, CGI with the with the hover tank floating around. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I will say, watching this movie again, like, of course the CGI is a little bit dated, but it's not as bad as I, you know what I mean? Even as like some CGI you'll see today, you know what I mean? In some movies, yeah. you go like, oh, that was it. Like I was watching, I'm watching Stranger Things right now with my wife. And the first season has a couple really wonky CGI shots that you're like, this doesn't look real at all. And fuck this hover tank. Yeah, I was at least like, okay, it looks like a tank. <laughs> yeah. And it's in daylight, you know what I mean? Which could be really hard yeah. to do. Uh, and they had a like, like float on water and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, there's definitely been worse CGI in uh, mm-hmm. comedies for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then they the the whole ploy is that the uh, they shoot flamethrower down the turret to uh, uh, like mimic, emulate. Yeah, yeah, like a a proper gunshot, and then it, they they've got the targets rigged up with C4 to uh, explode. And then, of course, the wrong they, one. They biff it. And they do a little Three Stooges uh, bit there. I, I don't know if that's right, but, you know, where they, they, they press the wrong button and the wrong thing explodes. And they were like, you messed up. No, you messed up. And they're yeah. like, bonking, <laughs> like bonking each other on the head and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is like classic comedy. So Phil Hartman, he's just flabbergasted that the tank is working because he know the, can't, the the tank can't work because he has the motherboard or whatever that he took out of the tank. He has it in his pocket, so he know that the tank doesn't work. So when he confronts Bilko, he's like, well, they pointed at target number four and target number three blew up. Explain that. And Bilko's like, uh, well, do you know how Einstein said that uh, space was curved? And he says, and that's all he does, and that's all the explanation he needs to tell the general or anybody how, why the targets blew up. It pulled straight it. out of his ass, and that yeah. yeah, and like as soon as he says it, it's truth. I don't have to elaborate further. Yeah, like he will declare it, kind of like the horseshit at the beginning. It's yeah. like, oh, that's horseshit. Anyway, yeah. uh, like moves <laughs> on quickly, tries to distract, them. and then Phil Hartman uh, obviously confesses. Confesses. And this is the point in the movie where he grabs Dan Aykroyd's face and he's like, this man doesn't know what he's doing. He's a boob. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, Dan Aykroyd plays this moment really great too because then he, as Phil Hartman <laughs> continues beyond that, 
he like he does like this double chin thing and he just holds himself and he looks like a boob for a little bit you know what i mean <laughs> like he just like he's just like standing like i guess i have a boob you know what i mean letting him have it out Dan yeah. Aykroyd got a couple of good laughs out of me in this one. You know what I mean? Jump, as Ed said, you know, the first one we saw was uh, the Indiana Jones movie where he's barely in it. It's <laughs> nice to have him. It's nice to have him doing some stuff in this movie. Yeah. And then, of course, he stands up for Bilko in that moment. He uh, does. Because clearly Phil Hartman's character, and, you know, arguably rightly so, has like a vendetta against him. So, but obviously... That's all the commanding officer needs to hear. So Phil Hartman confesses, and he goes back to Greenland. Yep. <laughs> Never to be promoted again. Yeah. And so what a classic shot. you got the Eskimo jacket. You've got <laughs> him, I guess, ice fishing or whatever he's doing. Like, I feel like that's such a cliche, but, I mean, never never gets old. Never gets old. Then we we see, just shortly after that, the recruit for the final time, like, has come over to Bilko's side. He's changed the the whatever Dan Aykroyd's position is, his car's odometer to, he, yeah. you know, he rolled oh, it yeah. back. You know, he was like, I'm a part of the crew. I'm part of the team. You know what I mean? And uh, I thought that was a, a good character development. Uh, but you're right. Then they go to the wedding, the, you know, the final wedding. Yeah, and this time uh, she stands him up. You know, good for her. I get it. You know, you just gotta you gotta stick it to the man at some point. Yeah, hey, <laughs> you've been a jerk this entire time. I get to do a little bit of that. Yeah. What was the excuse there? Did she ever say? I can't remember. She said daylight savings time. She, she was like, I totally forgot. Anyway, I'm here now, so let's go. <laughs> so they play another game of gin, and Steve Martin says, if I win, we get married. If you win, we don't get married. And he plays it really quick, and Steve Martin says he won, and he grabs her by the hand, and he pops up, and everybody was hiding in the church, so they all come out. They all come out to get married, and while all this is happening, there is a close-up of her hand. She's still holding her cards, and she had the winning hand, which means she actually won, and she didn't have to get married if she didn't want to. But they got married anyway. It's a good moment. And they got married to probably a marriage that's going to last maybe two, two and a half years. No, you know what? I imagine this being one that lasts forever, whether good or bad. You know what I mean? They're just going to – she's not going to go around and be like, i got to go find another husband now or vice yeah, versa. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a it's a pretty good ending. I uh, I enjoyed. Ed, you mentioned at one point it sounded like you had seen this movie before. I didn't realize this. Had you seen this one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like this was definitely. I mean, probably a movie my dad introduced me to, but it's definitely one of those movies that would show up on cable a lot. You know. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and I yeah I had watched it a few times. It's been a couple of years since I had watched it. So yeah, I mean, it, it all came back to me immediately but yeah it's definitely one of those movies that you know it's like a soft pg-13 film uh that would just play all the time on whatever channel i mean but uh yeah so it would whenever i saw it on i would like tune in and just it's it's an easy movie to it's watch. an easy watch yeah 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 it's not it, like doesn't take itself too seriously it's very short um, oh, I love a breezy 95-minute <laughs> movie, dude. Yeah, there wasn't any boring spots. It just chugged along. It was a really well-paced movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It tells you exactly what you need to know in each scene. They play the exact bit they have to play, and then you, boom, you're on to the next. Yeah. Uh, 
an hour and 33 minutes perfect yeah perfect yeah yeah no comedy (laughs) need be longer than that uh, You're not wrong. You're not and wrong. I like I like the little. Uh, I mean, I feel again they do this a lot in a few com- comedies. Uh, I'm thinking of like Animal House and stuff like that, where they do like uh, such and such went on to do whatever, right? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I obviously can't remember any of the gags now, but uh, yeah, oh, it was just like a nice touch. I feel like every '90s comedy. I had a little something peppered in in the credits. They had a really good uh, paragraph or whatever right at the start of the credits. <laughs> we would like to acknowledge the fact that the army didn't do jack shit to help us make this movie <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was cracking up when I read that. I, I've seen this movie a million times. I don't think I've ever caught that. Um, no, and I was, I was laughing about it because it's like every time you read about military and Hollywood like has like a military office, you know what I mean? Where like if the U.S. military is involved, like they they want to make like thinking, talking about Top Gun, they want to make sure that they are represented well and they look cool and this and that. Uh, and you could tell that this was like a movie where they were just like satirizing uh, military life. And the the U.S. Army was probably just like, fuck you. I'm not going to be a part of this. Like, we're not going to be cooperative at all because we don't want to help. We don't want to help you make fun of us. Yeah, whatever. It was. uh... Well, your three main characters, uh, you know, Steve Martin, he's a shyster. And Dan Aykroyd, he's a buffoon. And Phil Hartman is a is a sadist. So nobody looks good. Nobody in the army looks good. And no one looked good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. they did that. Then they did the hover tank, which it was like it failed at every turn. You know what I mean? So and the like, major, you know, the major being so again a lot of incompetence running through this film. Uh, like the only one really who had any brains was the recruit, uh, fresh out of the academy or not academy, but boot camp or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you can't it, a bunch of bumbling idiots. You know. So I haven't uniforms. seen I haven't seen Stripes, but you guys think Stripes is the better one? Stripes is more adult. It's rated R. You get boobs. You get sex scenes. It's just a little more edgier than this movie. I yeah, I wouldn't. I I always prefer this one. Uh, really? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm no. Wait, to, yeah. I just uh, yeah. I, I I feel like I saw Sergeant Bilko before Stripes. That's for sure. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, Stripes was fine. I, I, I didn't. It was kind of like in the same vein as um, uh, Spies Like Us, where I just thought it was like lesser Bill Murray. I know it's a very popular film of his, uh, but it's not your what, favorite. Just not my favorite. Yeah, like I didn't have a bad time with it. Well, getting back to this movie, I must have softened on this movie because I went back and I listened to my original podcast into this movie, and I was really, really down on it. And I just enjoyed it a lot more on this viewing. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, I liked it a lot better after watching it this time. I was worried that because I had watched it and enjoyed it when I was younger, that I was like, I was thinking of like nostalgia or whatever, and yeah. I was going to come back to it and hate it, or that everyone else is going to be like, it's really not that good. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's a pretty tight, you know what I mean? 90 minute comedy. I, it's, it is what it is. It was a good time. Yeah. Good time. Uh, like you were saying, Scott, it, it, it just, it moves at a good pace. Like there, yeah. that's not, there wasn't a scene that stood out to me where I was just like, oh, this is dragging or like, oh, they're killing this, like, and not in a good way. Kind of. There was no padding 
in this movie. No, no, like clean to the point. It knows what it is and it accomplishes it too. It reminded me a lot of the movie. Have you guys seen um, Down Periscope? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, With uh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. It's basically the same thing, but on a submarine. Yeah. Like a a non, a very non-serious commander. A lovable crew of idiots and uh you know they band together when their team has to partake in the war games and stuff like that uh you know otherwise they'll get transferred or something like that it's a lot of fun uh i would i mean i say that i haven't watched that movie in a very long time <laughs> nope now we're committed <laughs> now we got to watch that one and i don't think dan Aykroyd is in it i'm pretty sure no. okay we'll, we'll just start a kelsey grammar podcast ed that you can host because i know you're yeah. well before ed starts his kelsey grammar podcast why don't we wind this one up and i guess we're all saying that we all enjoyed this movie we would all recommend this movie to for, for everybody to watch it's a like an easy sunday afternoon easy like, yeah, I, like I said, I, like it was one of those movies that if I saw that it was on half paying attention to the TV, you know, it would be good for a laugh. And it it's one of those movies that there's always something to laugh at. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not something that, like, yeah, they're kind of like niche jokes, but they they do it so well and the characters are done so well. I will say, I think every bit was played pretty beautifully. There was one line of dialogue that as I was watching today, thinking back on it, it was just so out of place for me. It yeah. was at the beginning after he and the fiance didn't get married and they're back in the Jeep and they're driving back to the base. Yeah. Uh, Bilko looks back and he's like, what's going on? You know, you guys have serious faces on what's going on. And they were like, well, we were talking while you were in there. We don't like the way you're treating her. And they're having a little back and forth. And then um, his right-hand guy is like, well, you know, one day you might lose her. Or and it lose was just the like, game. Or lose whatever. that it game, was, yeah. It was just like overly serious for the whole movie. I was like, I understand they're setting up like the plot point that like, oh, there, there's trouble in the relationship and it might not always be perfect. Uh, but it was the only line that I was like, he played that way too serious for this like, <laughs> yeah, this light comedy. But that you know was like I mean? the driving theme yeah the entire film it's like hey you're a goof and if you don't start taking life seriously you gotta you're, gonna tighten use, up. you're gonna lose the woman you love kind of thing I, I sorry i just pulled up uh down periscope that movie came out the same year oh, and there it's, you go. it's one minute shorter than sergeant bilko uh, but like <laughs> cast it, it's always to like a t the the you've got the like I said, Kelsey Grammer being the just like loose and fun commanding officer, and uh, Lauren Holly plays the new recruit. She's like supposed to be his second in command, and she takes everything seriously. Mm. But uh, and then you got Rob Schneider, who's the idiot. Uh, you've got Bruce Dern, who's basically the uh, uh, Bill Hartman character. Bill Hart, yeah, Phil Hartman character. Uh, yeah, like down the line, it's and then Rip Thorn is basically the Danny, uh, the Dan Aykroyd, uh, character. So, yeah, okay, hey, 
I guess it's a double feature. Now we got to do it. Down Periscope. Yeah, that would I be love, a great double feature. I love at the end of every time we get together, we go, oh, well, there's another movie we could talk about. <laughs> now, before we started, you guys mentioned off air that you guys are doing another podcast. What's the name of that podcast that you guys are doing now? Yeah, it's called Punch Drunk Nerd. It's uh, me, it's Ed Ball, and our friend Luis Gonzalez. We do uh, a podcast every week. It comes out on Fridays where we just talk nerd shit. We talk comics. We talk movies. We talk uh, television. We talk, uh, you know, what we're into, what video games we're playing. Uh, you know, just all things nerd. Uh, so check us out at Punch Drunk Nerd on all the socials. You'll find us there. And anyway, you listen to podcasts. That's right. All right, that's it. So go out. Watch Sergeant Bilko, listen to Eddie and Miguel on uh, Punch Drunk Nerds, watch Down Periscope, even though we haven't talked about that, and uh, we'll see everybody here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Woo-woo! Yeah, thanks for having us, Scott. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. All in and look this way. Hello, soldiers. I'm talking to you. Because that's what you are, really. Soldiers. Every last one of you with a couple of exceptions. He's got a plane. He sure does. I want to tell you a little story. There was once a little boy, and that little boy had a dream to run one of the most sophisticated illegal gaming operations the United States Army has ever seen. He's not worried not a bit. And that little boy's dream came true. But now, they're trying to snatch that dream back from him. He's worried. It's not good. But what are the last two letters in the name Bilko? K.O. Of course, the first three letters are B-I-L, which is meaningless. But still, am I giving up? No, never. Well, kind of, but not really, because there's no way I am going to Greenland. Well, you're probably wondering if I have a plan. But of course I have a plan. A P-L-A-N plan. He's got no plan. We're screwed. I have a plan, Sarge. But maybe a plan is not what I really need. What I really need is just a little puppy. A little puppy with big brown eyes will just come to me and lick my face and just love me so much, no matter what kind of person I am. <laughs> Sarge, I really do have a plan. Oh, so now you have a plan. Well, let's hear your plan, Wally. Well, what if the hover tank did work? That would prove you hadn't been diverting the money. Oh, that is so stupid. What? Cross the streams. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast. telling you he's a boob he doesn't get it they fake the whole thing